Greetings, everyone, and before I begin ranting and raving incoherently, I thought I'd tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need to do it all in one place. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. And when you host through Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even more. It has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's free. That's right, Anchor is free, and who does not like free? So if you're interested or you want to make your podcast today, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Ludicrous Car Review. Today, I'm going to skip right to the chase here, or rather, right to the news. You see, I only got one bit of news for you, and then we're going to go into one of our special segments, because you see... Recently, information was released that Mustang, the top competitor, the top dog in the sports-slash-muscle car category, was unseated today. Or not today, rather, weeks ago. But the fact is is that it was unseated from its long-time and long-held throne. A throne it's held for decades at this point, and even though it's one of the largest production cars and longest production cars, it has pretty much dominated this title for the American sports production class. Yes, it has been unseated. By none other than the old dog, the Challenger. A car that hasn't been updated since its practical inception. But before that, what segment are we doing? Well, we're going to be doing another automotive showdown. In one corner, we have the old dog that is dying on its last legs. Yep, the one that should have been destroyed years ago when it's on its last legs. That, well, it's not even going to last long enough than that. It's going to be gone by the end of next year. And to be honest, I'm not sure many will miss it. That is right, the Chevy Camaro. In the other corner, we have the new dog that has entered the scene about approximately a little over 10 years ago now. It has recently taken the world by storm and is one of the most dominant and most fastest drag strip cars ever to be created, the Dodge Challenger. And in the final corner, the old dog that's been around since the practical inception of the word sports car. It has been a dominant class and one of the oldest and oldest dogs in the pony trick show in the world. It is one of the most dominant performance classes ever, the Ford Mustang. Yep, I had to cover that segment like that. Yes, we're going to be reviewing three of these little sports cars today. The Chevy Camaro, the Dodge Challenger, and the Chevy and the Ford Mustang. Why? Because I want to truly take a look and see. Well, if some of them deserve the reputation they're getting, others are maybe a little overincited, and others, well, maybe are a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. So to start off with with this uh, glorious review, let's talk about well, let's face it, the dying dog of the group. The Camaro is slated to be. Um, unfortunately removed from Chevy's lineup. And to be honest, it's kind of sad. In 2023, let me change this to 2024. Model year will be the last year, or rather next year's will probably be the last year. To be honest, it's a sad fact that Camaro has been on its last legs for a while now. It has not received any new packages, and to be honest, while it has some design stylage in that, the overall design of the car hasn't changed in a quite a while, let's face it. And the recent update about a year or two ago now just pretty much added a bigger smiley face-shaped grill over the front of it. it. It was nothing impressive. And the fact remains that while the Camaro is... It's not a bad car. Let's get that out of the way first and foremost. Overall, the build of the car is decent. The performance is decent. And the looks are decent. But let's face it. That's all it is. Overall, the car hasn't changed that much and hasn't really received that many 
different model years or different special packages. Unlike its competitors like Dodge, who seems to release a new package every single year, and Mustang, which releases such infamous and famous packages, it's, I mean, let's face it, the Shelby GT500 and the Mach 1 are some of the most famous builds ever made by Ford. But the fact is, is Chevy has, well, attempted none of this. The Pretty much the package ranges from the LT model to the SS to the ZL1, and that's how it's been since the car's inception. Occasionally, they'll come out with a Copo Camaro or their Exorcist to compete with a demon, but let's face it, they only produce such a limited number that those cars aren't even accessible to the normal human being, unless you happen to have a couple hundred thousand just lying around your garage at some point. The fact is, is that Camaro just... Chevy just didn't commit to the Camaro, and they never did. The fact is that Camaro's on, gone on and off cycles for a couple years now, Let's face it, they cut them out one time in the 80s and the 90s, and now at this point in the 2000s. And to be honest, Chevy, let's face it, it's an old dog company. Most of their cars, like the Bolts and that, are pretty damn ugly. And let's face facts, with their electric future coming up, there's no way the Camaro fits into that. And there's no way they're going to bother trying. Now, where the Corvette is, well, famous enough that it might get an electric car chassis, they just don't seem to ever really put that much effort into the Camaro to begin with. And to suddenly try to come up with a new model class of electric Camaro was just impossible. But overall, the appearance of the car, like I said, it ain't bad. The design hasn't changed since the infamous Bumblebee era, not that much, except for a few major design changes that came out a few years ago that I have a few issues with. First of all, the grill. While the grill looked a little bit beefier in this new model, the one major problem came about with its design choice. It looked like either A, either a Wario mustache on the front of the car, or B, it was grinning at you in some kind of weird styling. It was a weird design choice, and it just looked, it just made the grill look a lot weirder than it actually needed to be. On top of that, they added it to almost a little more curvier design style rather than its sharp, pointy edges that kind of made it famous. But the biggest gripe I have overall of the Chevy Camaro is visibility. And even my brother, who owns a Camaro and loves them and would buy one in a heartbeat, has the major gripe that I have as well. The visibility sucks. They are absolutely impossible to see anything out of, no matter how hard you try. The it's the same thing I had to gripe with the Blazer. They cut the roof line so low and the window length side so high that you can't see much. It's like driving a freaking lead sled, which are infamous for just having tiny little slits for windows, essentially. Then, yes, that can make it look sportier, but it also ruins visibility and makes it nearly impossible to see anything out of it. And for a sports car, which is supposed to be taken around the track, that's kind of important to have. It's not like you're driving a dragster, which is just you punch the gas and keep the car going in a straight line. No, you're taking corners and turns, at least that's how it's designed. You don't need to have less visibility, you need more visibility. And the fact is, is that, well, they never bothered to do that. Now, they have done a few design changes as well. They have the same hood they've had for the past few years, that little indent in the center with a little U-shape. And they have now added the, like more of a permanent wing fixture to the car. But overall, let's face facts. The Camaro has not changed all that much. And to be honest, I don't think Chevy cares to. They claim that at the end of the day they're going to be redesigning the car just as they did in the 90s and the 80s and 70s. But let's face facts, I honestly don't think that's going to happen. Camaro does this on and off and then that's why it's not the number one continuously running production car like along with Mustang. But they just don't care. That's just one of the major problems they have. And going into the interior of the car, again, it doesn't look bad. I, I won't gripe anything on the Camaro. It's not a bad looking vehicle. It just looks boring compared to its competitors the interior is a good design it's not bad looking and the interior is kind of safe but it just kind of looks like it does nothing unique it doesn't scream camaro to me it just looks like a little fancier sportier version of well a blazer or just any other thing else they have in their chevy lineup 
overall, the Camaro is kind of basically a hodgepodge of their performance class, and they're only allowed to do basically at this point probably minor changes to it. And unfortunately, that has kind of led to its current predicament and falling into third place in the car sales business. It used to be for a long time, even when Challenger was released, it used to be for the longest time Camaro, Mustang, Camaro, Mustang, because those were still the top dogs. But it didn't take long for Challenger to surpass Camaro, and with Camaro never even bothering to really compete with Mustang all that much for this first place spot, it pretty much fell to third, and car sales practically plummeted after that. And it's pretty much, well, let's face it, locked in that third spot for the past almost five, six, seven, eight years now. And to be honest, they haven't really, like I said, put much effort to change it. Overall, though, like I said, the car ain't bad. It's a good performance car. But the problem is, is it ain't a unique performance car. They haven't come out with any new model changes in that. Like I said, in the few ones they have had are just super rare or so special that you can't get your hands on them. Like I said, you're pretty much stuck with the top-of-the-line ZL1 and that's about it. The same ZL1 package they've had now for almost a decade now. And to be honest, they haven't bothered to put anything out. There's no more power, there's no more performance, there's no more anything to it. We're Mustangs constantly having GT cars thrown at us and putting in ridiculous more horsepower. And Dodge has pretty much dominated the horsepower game with ridiculous numbers that are almost producing freaking drag cars. Camaro is just kind of lagged behind. And even the Copal car, which was supposed to be the drag strip car, was, I hate to say it, Stats-wise, pretty damn disappointing. And that's the major problem with Camaro. It's just, at the end of the day, a disappointment. So I would have to give this car a firm third place on this list. Because overall, the major problem is, well, let's face it, it's dying. And while Camaro attempts to revive itself a tiny bit before its death in 2023, will release its farewell package. Honestly, an aptly named package for the dying car. Because that's about, it's, it's kind of a somber package for the vehicle, and honestly, it kind of fits its sad motif. Anyways, let's go in with number two. Now you're probably wondering, well, not number two. You see, I'm not going to tell you which one I'm going to choose for the first and second place. I'm just going to review them kind of in the order I announced them. So let's talk about the Dodge Challenger. You see, 2006, Dodge began to revitalize its car brand. Now they had the Magnum in 2005, but in 2006 was the key car they released the Charger, and along with the Charger came the Challenger as well. The Challenger has been around for a few years and instantly became a competitor for Camaro for that second place spot. And to be honest, it didn't take many years to really unseat it. And what really drove Camaro into the ditch at that point was the release of their Hellcat package. Now let's face facts here. The Hellcat package is a pretty damn good deal. You get almost 700 horsepower for, let's face it, a relatively cheap price. And the it's Hemi 355.7, which is pretty much the most solid engine ever built from Dodge, it pretty much made the car practically indestructible to that point. Now let's face facts here. The first year did see some design changes a few years later where they kind of narrowed down the large rear bumper of the car, but overall, let's face facts, the car hasn't changed all that much. It's almost what? We're going on close to almost 15 plus years of having the same car design, and to be honest, it's still damn good looking. And it still is very catchy to the, well, younger buyer, which you wouldn't think of. All considering the fact that, well, they haven't redesigned it all. It's got that same retro styling look that pretty much stole the same body style it had in the late 60s, early 70s. And they haven't bothered to change it since, because why should they? They've had the brilliant, well, foresight to basically just say, well, we may not have to update our car every year, 
but let's just make it damn faster. And that's just what they did. They didn't bother to say, well, let's do remodel redesigns and constantly refresh the little bitty bits here and there, because let's face it, that's boring as all hell. What they decided to take a different route. First, they released Hellcat engines, and then when they released, well, they released the Demon not too long after that. And the most recent packages, like their Scat Pad packages, became instantly famous with the, the 392. Let's face it, out of all the engines out there, the 392 is by far one of the best sounding V8s I have heard in a damn long time. But all that aside, even nowadays they're still producing more cars. Just last year they announced a super stock Dodge, a pretty much infamous car. I mean, let's face it, most of us have heard the little old lady from Pasadena. And they've constantly released these packages all the time. The recent one is the Jailbreak package. They've always been innovating and constantly producing more packages to keep the car up to date and in people's public mind. And it's because of this that it was able to unseat Mustang after a long and drawn out battle, something even Camaro couldn't do. While it held the second place spot, it was never even going to come close ever to the Mustang, something that Challenger immediately, well, challenged as the name would suggest. And to be honest, with constant things like their chief donut maker program coming out, Dodge is even now more relevant than ever. Now let's face it with electric vehicles, yeah, the Hellcat engine probably won't last that long. But the fact is they're giving and milking the muscle car era pretty much a revitalization of it in the last 10 years for all it's worth. And honestly, thank God for Dodge, because if it wasn't for Dodge, honestly, they probably would have never, people wouldn't be interested in cars that much. They brought the car accessible to the younger generation. If you ever drive down a college parking lot, if you're ever interested to see what kids are into driving nowadays, you'll see a lot of beaters and you'll know a lot of kids don't care. But you know there are a few out there that do. And most of the time those kids end up buying some SXD cheap Charger or maybe even a Challenger most of the time. And usually they're parked off to the back lot. Now maybe some lucky kid will invest in an RT model. But the fact is, is that these kids are now into these cars and while they're retro looking and old, some people might say, it's because of that retro styling that's become sort of cool again. It's just, let's face it, the Charger is, the Challenger is not a performance car. It's not, and it's never trying to be. Let's face it, you're not going to take this on a 24 hours of Mon or go racing around road America with this thing. Now, unless you probably want to kill yourself. No, you take this to the drag strip, and let's face it, most people on a daily drive, let's face it, they ain't driving down windy roads all the time or throwing on the racetrack every day. Every day, what you stop at every day, you're driving your car is a stoplight. And what do you do in a stoplight? Well, let's just say you can give it a tiny bit extra gas. And at 700 horsepowers, well, a tiny bit extra gas can get you going pretty damn fast, pretty damn quick. The fact is, is that it provides everyday use for something that, well, to be honest, just throwing an extra horsepower was never anything that important. Yeah, you can have the track performance, but let's face it, we don't go on the track that much. Even if you do go on the track a lot, you don't do it nearly as much as you do driving daily. And daily, what you want? Well, let's face it, when you see a Beamer pull up next to you, you want to rub it in the dust. Anyways, so as far as exterior, like I said, the car hasn't changed that much. The same styling that pretty much brought it into existence with its classic Charger, Challenger look has pretty much remained the same. Even the Charger hasn't changed that much. But the Challenger is pretty much, well, it's been the same car. Yeah, it's, you can tell some slight difference. You can kind of, looking at you wouldn't immediately guess that there are two separate types. But you just get that feeling that it maybe just looks a wee bit different as the model years progress down the line. Like I said, they kind of smoothened it out, lower the profile a little bit, and just made the car a little bit sleeker looking than its initial inception back in 2008. But let's face facts here. You don't buy a Challenger because you're looking for constantly updated, fresh design. You're buying it because of power. And because it's overall looking at it, the power is relatively cheap for what you're getting. Let's face it. I can order a 392 with a ridiculous amount of horsepower, even more so than any Camaro could produce, and even most Mustangs and the GT models for a relatively cheap price if I don't mind stripping out the car just a wee bit. And even if I don't, it's overall a decent price for the horsepower. 
and Dodge is pretty much shaking that old reputation it had back in the um, the bad years, let's just say, of being a broken down heap. Their engines are reliable, nice sounding, and most of all, and most importantly, powerful. They put out a ridiculous amount of horsepower with superchargers and large displacement packages, 6.4 liters and 5.2, so 392s. It is ridiculous. The interior, let's face fact, it is, it's a little bit needs to be. It's lacking, let's just face facts here. The old ones were really bad, but these new ones are okay. The interior of the car doesn't look bad. Yes, it has the fancy features, and yes, the shifter pedal is kind of cool on that before, but let's face it, it, it just does look a teensy bit cheap. But let's face facts here. Again, who cares? You ain't buying that car because you're going to show off as some kind of luxury sedan or some kind of luxury two-door. You're buying it because you want to hit the drag strip and go put down a nine-second lap time in some kind of demon car. That's what you buy a Challenger for. And that's why, to be honest, it wasn't surprising when it almost instantly overtook the rotting out husks of the Camaro when it started releasing pretty much a new package almost every year. Because it made the car constantly in the news, in the new, and constantly interested. Because, well, let's face it, we all like new packages and interesting stuff. And let's just say the Camaro as a competitor wasn't really bothering to do any of that. So finally, we come to the last one on the list here. The one that's been around since, let's face it, they kicked off the sports car era. In 1964, it pretty much started everything for these cars. And the fact is, is that they wouldn't even see a competitor until 1967 when Camaro finally was released. But pretty much, Don, let's face it, the Mustang instantly became, well, let's face it, America's sports car almost instantaneously. The moment upon its release, it sold out almost instantaneously. It fill up every ad spot and instantly people wanted to buy it because it was just a damn good looking and very sporty car. It was lightweight, fast, had good power and performance. And the 289 engine that it started with was a pretty damn good engine as well and it held the pretty much Ford's basically entire flagship engine for the longest time. But the fact is, is that the new Mustangs have evolved quite a bit because let's face it, it hasn't stopped ever being not made. No, but there's never been a missing year like Camaro. There's always been a Ford Mustang. And it has seen a lot of changes from the Fox bodies to the rectory retro styling back in the early 2000s. But the most recent build in the car really was the biggest change. It got away from its muscly car roots and went with a more sportier style, much like the old one did back in the day. Now, some people had some controversy about it. Some people didn't care for it. Me being kind of one, I kind of miss the old kind of retro style, but it's just my personal preference. No one can deny the fact the car still does look damn good. In most of the recent packages, like, for example, the Mach 1, especially accentuate some of their brilliant body lines in that model. Some of them I didn't even realize, let's face it, that they had. But that's how this also became more competitive. Let's face it. Everybody knows of a Shelby GT500. It is a dream car for every person who looks at a muscle car. You always dream of having a GT500 from Shelby. It's just, it's just the pinnacle of what basically the sports muscle car is. It's just, let's face it, the best kind of performance car you can get. You get brilliant power. You get brilliant performance and handling. It just makes the car pretty much a dream to drive sometimes. Now, the overall exterior of the car is pretty damn good. There's no doubt about that. Some people might detract the fact that, yes, it doesn't look quite like the Mustang we remember, but it still has that elongated hood. It still has that sweeping body design, that larger grille on the front with the wheel wells and that. It just, it still looks like a Mustang. There's no denying that. A lot of people might try to detract from that, but still, 
let's face it, it's still a Mustang, and it still looks damn cool. They did take some more European styling from it, mostly, most notably probably from Jaguar a tiny bit, but let's face it, is it bad? No. The original Mustang was modeled after European cars a little bit. And overall, though, some people may detract from the Mustang just a little bit on the looks. And I have to as well, I guess. It's not a muscle car to me, but it's not trying to be. It's a, mus it's a muscle sports car, as I like to call them, or just a sports car. Now, the package that they released recently has been phenomenal. My favorite package overall. Now, the GT500 they released a year or two ago was pretty damn cool. And yes, the 300 was out in that. But the one that really caught my eye that instantly I fell in love with, even though I'm a bit of a Dodge guy myself, would have to be the Mach 1 that got re-released for it. Not the Mach-E, excuse me, that's a, that's a bastardization of Mustang, but it's not a bad car. Anyways aside, the Mach 1... Oh my god, that was probably by far the best looking Mustang that had been produced in the last 20 years. It was a beautiful looking car. And the paint jobs they did with it was immaculate. The black stripe with the orange accents and that jet gray. Oh man, and it looked pretty much like the old 70s, 60s Mustang back when Malacca was first released. Now some people griped and complained. It didn't have a shake your hood, it didn't have wooden lubes. But let's face it. The old one didn't. The old original Mach 1 didn't have window louvers or that thing. It had that infamous end one that's in the new one. That snout nose grill that's in the front. Those two window, the little holes in the front of the grill. The hood that goes all the way back. It honestly is the best car Mustang's produced in a very long time. And to be honest, it's what kind of revitalized it to make it competitive again with its quickly arriving competitor in the Challenger. And overall, like I said, out of all the cars being production, let's face it, Mustang takes the cake between the three of them. As far as looks goes in that, yes, it's maybe not as, maybe more dainty than its competitors, but the Mach 1 is just, it's some of the best paintwork I've seen from a manufacturer in a very, very, very long time. Now, exterior styling, yeah, has the large grill, elongated hood, and the interior overall, I have to say, out of the three competitors, is the best looking. It's sporty, it's cool looking, it has interesting and quirky little design features to it. It's just a cool-looking car. Even the, the buttons on the bottom below just to start the car, it, it just looks cooler than its competitors. The start button down to the steering wheel, everything is just it's just fantastic on the interior. I cannot deny that. Now, let's face it, though, they have had a bit of trouble. Like I said, Mustang was unseated from its top spot, which it held for, well, let's face it, a very, very long time. But that was mostly because of the chip shortage, some people will say, more people blame the pandemic. But let's face it, it was a long time coming. Challenger had been riding up its coattails for a very long time, and even past it a couple months. But it could never quite hold that spot long enough. Well, let's face it, Challenger finally unseated this year, and the super stock and the new jailbreak package release was probably why. The Mustang Mach 1 will compete with it, but let's face it, it's hard to beat that design. Overall, though, out of the three cars, which one is the better handling if you're going to take it on the track, maybe do more grand touring, the Mustang takes the cake in that category. But which is the better car? Out of the three of them here, I've pretty much discounted Camaro because, well, let's face it, it's dying. I'm not going to do it. Which of these two, I should say, is the best car? Now, I'm not knocking, all right, besides that, though, let me say one thing clear. I'm not knocking any owner of a Camaro or anybody who's going to buy a Camaro. I still think the Camaro is an excellent car. I just wish that Chevy gave it the love it deserved. Anyways, though, with that little bit of my covering my own ass out of the way, which one takes the cake between the Dodge Challenger and the Ford Mustang? Well, which is the better car, in my opinion? I hate to tell you this, people, but I'm picking the Challenger. Why am I not picking the Mustang, even though I seem to love it so much? Well, let's face it. 
while it is the better Grand Touring, it is the better sports car as far as handling goes, but let's face it, the Dodge just sounds immaculate, and the performance just can't be beat. Yeah, you can probably handle a little bit better than that, but let's face it, when you're at a stoplight and you can burn rubber for four miles straight, why the hell not would you choose a Challenger? And overall, yes, the design might be a wee bit dated, and they're probably coming up with a new update soon. Let's face it, it still looks pretty damn good, and it still is very popular amongst younger audiences, which I like to consider myself amongst. But all good eras must come to an end. And at the end of the day, while I say Challenger takes the cake and Mustang will probably pass it back up soon when they release the model package, the fact is that all good eras must come to an end, and the Mach-E is a prime example of that. I'm sure down the road I will be talking rather than muscle cars and V8 engines, I'll be talking battery packs and electric motors, and the Mach-E is already getting a leg up on that. As long as they don't go with a full SUV package, my god, don't do that. The fact is, is that even Dodge, for all their Hellcat engines and their powerful supercharged V8s, eventually will be forced to go electric as well. My hope, though, and why I still choose Dodge to take the top cake for the next few years, if they do the plan they're talking about, it's going to be a very interesting year for the uh, electric car industry. Let's face it, Dodge has been obsessed with just dumping so much horsepower, it's almost laughable into their cars. I mean, 800 horsepower in the Demon? Well, let's face it, you give a company like that access to an electric motor that can pump out 1,500 horsepower, and you don't expect them to use it, Yes, I look forward to whatever electric vehicle Dodge produces, because I'm sure it will be, or hopefully will be, insane. Anyways, that takes the cake. Challenger is my top car pick for the year, not just because it's outsold the Mustang, but because genuinely I think it offers the most bang for your buck, the best packaging, and the best overall muscly looks for your money. I hope you all enjoyed this show, and I hope you all like, rate, subscribe, and review to this well, hopefully my insanity. And I hope you all have a great day and a wonderful night. Goodbye, my friends.